0: this is a throwdown a showdown hell no rob Faye nation can't slow down it's gonna go first offense all the mix okay party people in the house you're about to witness something you've never witnessed before yeah yeah What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to Sports Bar Radio. It is your Friday edition. I know what you're thinking. You're a couple of hours away from the weekend. Let's get to it. We got a lot to get to. Uh, We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about the World Series. We're going to talk about week eight in the NFL. Uh, We're going to get into updates. We're going to talk about the odds that are happening down in Vegas. We're going to get you caught up on everything in the world of sports. And again, we try to get this done in half an hour so that it is easy listening for your commute or wherever you're going. Just pop us up on your smart device and we will get you everything you need to know before you get to your destination all right let's get to that one story that is still the biggest story that has happened in the world of sports over the last couple of weeks let's talk about it shall we in addition to the vancouver canucks and travis green let's broaden our scope and talk about that one story that everybody is still itching to have their opinion on let me get you to the lead we've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. All right, so I know this has been the topic of conversation on this podcast for probably a better part of the week, and I think that it is just such a big story that has so many roads that you can travel down. It would have been unfair to just give it the one day and then move on. Sure, we could talk about the World Series, we could talk about the NFL and CFL and all that stuff, and we will get to that. But I was thinking to myself as I woke up this morning, having digested three days of just everything that has come out of this Kyle Beach situation, the resignation yesterday of Joe Quenville, one of the most decorated coaches in the National Hockey League. League historically all of a sudden falling by the wayside leaving the Florida Panthers with a perfect 7-0 record but that is all beside the point. I want to go back to 2010, because as I read through all of the pages that have come forward, this was a really thorough investigation. More than 125 people interviewed, just months and months of combing through every last detail. So I have tried to do my best to read through this. And again, it is a lot of legalese, which isn't my forte, but I do look for certain things. And you know, the one thing that I just haven't been able to come across is the representation for Kyle Beach and i'm not talking about the players association i'm not talking about teammates i'm not talking about jonathan taves or what have you joe quenville and the thing that i thought about today was who was his agent and i'm not saying this as if the agent is at fault hear me out on this for a second because i really do believe that when you call yourself player representation it's got to be more than just contracts and I'm, i'm sure in certain instances it is but in this instance I would imagine that if Kyle Beach went to the Blackhawks organization and found that it was a dead end, found that they were choosing to sweep this under the carpet because they were right in their prime, they were trying to win the Stanley Cup, and they just wanted to deal with this, and figuring that maybe if they just fired Brad Aldrich that that would be enough, and obviously it wasn't, would the agent not have enough power to truly be able to make some noise? Let me take a step back from that question and tell you the thought process that might go through an abused youngster. Because I have learned over time that there are two things that happen. One, you feel shame, and sometimes you try to justify in your own mind the other person's actions. Well, surely he didn't mean it, or maybe he's just trying to do that to toughen me up, or you know what, it's probably just a one done thing, it won't happen again, and you know what, I'm just on the start of my career, I I can't afford to have this happen. You try to come up with ways to justify it internally so that you don't have to show it externally. And I know that it's easy for us to sit behind our keyboards and our microphones to say, well, this is what Kyle Beach should have done. And this is who he should have reached out to. And these are all the things that he should have done. And we just check our boxes 11 years after the fact. But the reality is, is for an abused youngster, those are two of the most common traits that you will find is one, they will either blame themselves or they will try to somehow justify the actions of the abuser. You'd be amazed at how many times an abused child ends up finding a way to love the abuser. Or finds a way to cohabitate with the abuser, because it's going to sound crazy, but it's almost like the lesser of two evils, because if you call that person to the carpet, you don't know what the reaction is going to be. Maybe it will just intensify. Maybe nobody's going to believe you. Maybe nobody is going to understand you, or you're going to think that you're the problem. You're going to think that you're the person that's been violated, and now nobody will want to associate themselves with you because you're damaged goods. It sounds overdramatic, but I can assure you that it's not. You would be amazed how many kids out there right now today still in amateur sports deal with the challenges that Kyle Beach faced 11 years ago. So let's circle back on that. Now that I've given you my understanding or at least my perspective on what could be going through the psyche of a young athlete, if that athlete has the wherewithal to stand up and communicate this to somebody, somebody has to be there for him somebody has to answer the bell it obviously wasn't joe quenville it obviously wasn't the chicago blackhawks it wasn't the players nobody essentially in that moment went to bat for him or this one to come out 11 years later 11 years later okay if i'm an athlete and i've got my inner circle i can talk to my parents which i would imagine kyle beach did and I would probably, in my circle, you got to remember, uh, pro athletes, especially early on, when they're trying to make their way towards the bright lights of the biggest stage, which in this case was the NHL. You've probably got your family, you got a handful of friends, you might have a girlfriend, you might have one or two, you know, staff personnel that are around you that you talk to and confide in, which obviously was the case. And yet nobody was able to get this over the hump. Nobody was able to make immediate changes other than Brad Aldrich leaving the organization, which they assumed was enough. As I mentioned. But the other person that athletes do talk to a lot, and I know this because I've been around athletes that were exactly in the age range of Kyle Beach early on in his career. I've been around minor league baseball for nearly 15 seasons, and you know who they talk to a lot? They're agents. And this isn't just about getting tickets to cool events or maybe getting them to send some gloves or some free sticks or getting them acquainted with different organizations that might be able to pay them a little bit of money. This is a really big trust relationship. It's a trust relationship because that guy represents you to the masses. He's the guy that talks to the GMs and the presidents. He's the guy that talks with the Players Association and has those contacts. And more often than not, those guys are lawyers. So I try to justify this. Maybe one of two things happened. Maybe Kyle Beach never went that road. But if he did, would it have been enough for an agent to To go to an organization on behalf of his agency as a whole and say, listen, you need to address this problem here and now, or you're not going to be dealing with us on any level. See, the problem is, is I don't know who it was that was representing him. Like maybe, for example, Kyle Beach's representation also represented guys on the Blackhawks, their current active roster. And maybe this just wasn't a boat rocking moment for that agency. But I'm just trying to think, and again, I'm not trying to throw blame at somebody, but if I'm an agent, and I'm not thinking Jerry Maguire and I'm not thinking Rod Tidwell, I'm thinking like a real sports agent here. If a player comes to you with these kind of allegations, these kind of thought processes, and these kind of challenges, you have the power to go to an organization and say, what are you going to do about this? And to me, if the agent did and the only thing that changed was the departure of Brad Aldrich, is that enough? Because Kyle Beach never got to play his NHL career. Was it because he wasn't good enough? Or was it because he was so broken that he just wasn't able to seize the moment? There are so many questions that go into this situation and even though Kyle Beach will eventually get a payout and even though Kyle Beach will eventually become a spokesperson for situations like this to hopefully reach younger kids and hopefully get that message to them that they can and do have the power to make change I can tell you right now I know this for an absolute certainty that there are kids throughout sports be it football baseball basketball hockey what have you that are facing the exact same challenges And I think the one thing that I would say, if I could say this to a younger kid myself, I'd say, just know who you're surrounding yourself with. And also in those moments when you feel challenged, know what your escape plan is. That's gonna sound a little harsh. It's like driving, you have to drive defensively. Even though you're a good driver, you still gotta look at the other car's tires to see if they're gonna be pulling out at the wrong time. You've gotta anticipate all possible scenarios. I think every organization in sports has to do even more. And I don't mean just the Players Association and the National Hockey League as a shield. Each individual organization has to have a filtration process. They have to be able to check in with their players. And the players have to feel comfortable that they can check in with their organization. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks failed Kyle Beach, straight up, failed him. And they admitted openly. But the problem is they probably didn't have a system in place other than that player going to the coach and saying, hey, man, I got a challenge here or I got a problem here. Can you please meet about this? They need almost a third party, which to me could have been the agent in this moment where they could sit down with the player and the organization and say, we need this fixed right now. And I don't care if you're on the cusp of the Stanley Cup or I don't care where your team is in the hierarchy of the standings. You need to address this right here and right now or we will go public and we will make this a problem in real time not 11 years later all right let's take a look at the rest of the news of the day you know what I'm gonna go from an opinion to an opinion if you don't mind because the Vancouver Canucks right now are feeling it and their fans are pissed off because their star players aren't delivering on the opportunities that are presented to them so let's get to that let's talk about the nba let's talk about the world series let's get into the whole world of sports let me get you to that one place where we do all of it let me get you into the vip room you knew tonight was going to be a good night didn't you guys the ladies don't want you wasting their time so get to the point point. 10 topics 10 minutes hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the dj can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to, VIP room. Welcome to the VIP room. All right, let it be said and let it be known. Travis Green is not going to get fired as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks this season. I'm sorry. I know that already we're looking for scapegoats because the Vancouver Canucks are off to a mediocre start. We feel like fools because we bought into this offseason and felt like this would be a better team. We also saw Travis Green getting a two-year contract extension that essentially we thought would calm the waters after a half season of will they sign him, won't they sign him, what's going on with Jim Benny, what's going on with the organization... We felt this offseason like they went out, they got a good deal done when it came to Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland. We lost some money off the books. Everything was right until they hit the ice, and everything so far, for the most part, has gone wrong. But I will say this, and I've never been a huge Travis Green fan. Again, I don't really buy into coaches one way or the other. I'm not a fanboy of them, and I don't hate them. I just think, do your job. But what I will say is he's got a bunch of players right now, a bunch of players that are underperforming and you can sit there and you can say well wait a second this is a team that Jim Benning assembled and you're right and I think that if something goes sideways this season that is where the axe will fall I don't think Travis Green is doing anything wrong people get into the whole systems I don't think there's a lot of fans out there that understand the intricacies of the systems that Travis Green has in place for the 2021 season I see a lot of that and I sit back and I'm like "Mm, do you really know But what I can say is optically, aesthetically, there's no way Francesco Aquilini, after just extending his head coach, is going to turn around and eat that money. And some might say, well, you know, he's not going to have to eat a lot because Travis Green is obviously going to go out there and get another job and it won't take long and that'll be fine. I just don't see it. Francesco Aquilini, for what it's worth, has been incredibly loyal to those who have been loyal to him. You bring up John Tortorella, one of the previous coaches that had been under the regime of the Aquilinis. The reason that they were so quick to get rid of him is because publicly he would come out and he would say that things were shitty. He would come out and he'd say that the organization was run wrong and that it wasn't trending in the right direction and that it was stale. He was the kind of guy that the Aquilinis hate because he would call a spade a spade and now looking back, John Tortorella was dead right. I mean, sure, you had Henrik and you had Daniel, and you didn't want to see them have to go through the rigors of that, but let's be honest. Between him and then Trevor Linden not getting along with the Aquilinis, the Aquilinis are the kind of ownership group that if you do right by them, they will do right by you. And what that also means is that, listen, You don't make us look bad in public, and we will give you every opportunity to see this through to its end. Now listen, Jim Benning is long past his shelf life in my estimation, but again, I don't want to be a quote hater. I will say this though, Travis Green is the perfect type of coach for this organization. And I don't mean the players on the ice, I mean the guys upstairs, the guys with the fancy office that have the receptionist out front. Because he's not loud, he doesn't turn around and chastise this organization, he might quietly... If you really read the tea leaves when he's having his press conferences, know that he's not happy with Jim Benning at every turn. But you know what? Not every time do you have coaches and GMs that get along. That I can live with. But if you think that Travis Green, some 20 or 30 games into the season, is going to get his pink slip because this team's off to a bad start, no shot. No shot at all. If anything, this is a conversation where now they look at their player core, their core, and say, okay, which of these teeth are loose? Which ones might we wiggle and trade? Oh, don't think that it can't happen because Vancouver's got a number of, quote, assets. And I'm not saying that it's Pedersen because he's spinning his tires in the mud. And I'm not saying it's Brock Besser. Like, trust me, I know how enamored Vancouver Canuck Nation is with the core five. But make no mistake about it. Survival is usually where decisions like that get made. For example, Jim Benny feels like he's on the hot seat You think he's just going to stand pat? Nah, man, he's going to go down swinging. You see it in any sport. Like, even Alex Anthopoulos, realizing that his time with the Toronto Blue Jays was coming to an end, said, f*** it, man, I'm going all in. And his team nearly got to the World Series. You look at Jim Benning right now, year eight of his plan. That's unbelievable. And you say to yourself, this defensive core is worse than it's been in the previous past couple of years. Sure, they got their goaltender of the future locked up to a long-term contract. And yes, they still have one hell of a core. But this one hell of a core is now all out of their entry-level deals. And these guys are pricey commodities and pricey assets. But beyond all of that, because I could sit here and break that down six ways to tomorrow, I go back to the one thing that I say will assure Travis Green will finish this season with the organization. Unless things absolutely bomb, he will finish the season because he is exactly the type of coach that Francesco wants in-house. Francesco doesn't want somebody downstairs that is pointing upstairs saying, what the hell are we doing? He doesn't want a guy that goes in front of the cameras and says, this is shit. He doesn't want a shit disturber. He wants a coach that simply blows a whistle, puts him on ice, gets some wins. Hopefully the wins are at home and just keep it simple. Telling you right now, you look at the track record of Francesco Aquilini. Those who rock the boat are out. Those who don't are still there. Jim Benning included. All right, well, speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, it doesn't get any easier for them because their next opposition down at Rogers Arena just happens to be the 5-1 Edmonton Oilers. And Edmonton, as we know, is a very formidable team that is finally starting to put it together. Vancouver just 3-4-1 and one through their first eight games, so yes, seven points of the 16 that are available to them. That is not going to get them where they need to go, and Edmonton is not going to make it any easier. Six games in the NHL tonight, only one of them involving a Canadian team. Ottawa is in Dallas to take on the Stars. It has been a much different feel around Ottawa than it was at the end of last season when they were starting to pick up their steam. Ottawa 2-4 and four to start their season, Dallas even three, three and even 3-3-1. Ottawa still looking for their first road win of the 2021 season. Over-under in this game is 5.5, 63% of the money in Vegas right now, going with Dallas, who checks in at minus 195. I would assume that Dallas will win, and this game will probably go over the 5.5. Got to remember, Ottawa still without Matt Murray and his infamous upper body injury. Well, the top-rated quarterback in the NFL, according to the power rankings that come out at NFL.com, is still unclear if he's going to be a part of the Cowboys-Vikings game. Yeah, Dak Prescott, according to his coach, Mike McCarthy, is still sore after ramping up the activities this week. The news a little more certain in Cleveland, where Browns quarterback Beaker Mayfield has been cleared to play and will start with the Steelers. It is his non-throwing shoulder that has given him grief, but he has been cleared in Miami, Brian Flores has come out, and he's kind of dropped the gauntlet, saying, barring an injury, Tua is his quarterback for the rest of the 2021 season. Of course, there's been rumblings about trading Tua for everybody from Deshaun Watson, or insert quarterback's name here, but he's Coach Brian Flores coming forward, saying that he's his guy. Well, if you want to see who is hot right now, and I'm not talking about teams that are undefeated like Arizona or teams that are on the up-and-up like the Green Bay Packers, everybody's starting to get hot and heavy on the Cincinnati Bengals, coming off that big win over the Baltimore Ravens, they are 5-2 on the year, and 97% of the money right now in Vegas is on the Bengals, and that is why that line is shifting the way that it has. Looking at recent trends, these teams obviously going in opposite directions. The 1-5 Jets now without their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. They got absolutely lambasted in New England last week. And the Bengals have had great success covering the spread on the road. They are 4-1 in their five games this year. The Jets, by the way, 1-5 against the spread with just one win, and it comes at home. So Cincinnati opening up at 10.5. They opened at 4.5, but Thursday's line yesterday coming in with a six additional points for Cincinnati. So again, if you want to put money on Cincinnati, even at the 10.5, it is still everybody going on the Bengals train right now. Green Bay Packers and Arizona Cardinals. That is a six and a half line for the cards right now. Initially, it started at three and a half, but you take a look at what is happening right now in Green Bay without Devontae Adams, without Alan Lazard. Uh, both these teams, again, red hot. Packers are one six straight. Cardinals undefeated, but you got to think with all of those challenges that the Packers have offensively when it comes to guys catching balls thrown by Aaron Rodgers, that that is enough to extend the Cardinals winning ways. That said, defensively, J.J. Watt is no longer available to Arizona. I think this one is still going to go the way of the Cardinals, but I still think this one's going to go the way of the Cardinals, but I'm not sure if they're going to win by seven points. Miami Dolphins in Buffalo, and right now the Bills are red hot. That line is Bills minus 14. That is a double-digit spread, and it's continuing to move even more so in Buffalo's favor. They have absolutely dominated the Dolphins in recent memory. Week 17 last year, they beat them up 56-26. And in their first matchup this year, the Bills shut out the Dolphins 35 to nothing. That's why right now 94% of the money in Vegas is going down on the Buffalo Bills. And uh, even with that line moving from 11 and a half to 14, betters are going all in on the Buffalo Bills this week. And the last one that I want to throw in, because I know not everybody's a better that listens to this show, Jacksonville at Seattle. Jacksonville, one of the worst teams historically over the last five years, taking on Seattle at home. And Seattle is a favorite, but just three points. So this is basically a pick 'em with the Seattle Seahawks at home against one of the worst teams in the NFL. It's amazing how mighty the Seattle Seahawks have fallen over the last couple of weeks. All right, to the association. And one thing I will say, Toronto Raptors, when they win, they don't win pretty. Gutsy win as they beat the Pacers the other night, and now we're looking for their second straight win. It ain't pretty. It doesn't need to be pretty right now. Pasco Siakam is with Raptors 905 trying to rehab and get ready to go. As tonight, the Raptors getting ready to take on the Magic Wraps of magic, just one of seven games tonight on the NBA docket of note. The Clippers in Portland to take on the Trailblazers. Clips one and three to start the season. Mavericks are in Denver to take on the Nuggets. Mavs are off to a good start at three and one, and the Charlotte Hornets continuing to prove all the doubters wrong. Lamelo Ball, the Rookie of the Year from last season, four and one of the Hornets going into Miami to get ready to take on the three and one Heat. And of note, Brooklyn hosting the game tonight against the Pacers. The Lakers hosting the Cavaliers. Both Brooklyn and the Lakers are at 2-3 this season. Okay, in baseball World Series, all knotted at 1. Houston Astros coming away with that 7-2 victory in Game 2. So now we shift our sights to Atlanta, where the Braves are favored to take this lead for the second time of the series. Braves at minus 120 on the money line. They'll be at home at Trucet Park for the first time this series. It'll be Ian Anderson, who last pitched in Game 6 of the National League Championship Series, going for the Braves. He gave up three hits and one earned run over four innings. He's actually got great numbers in the postseason. Ian Anderson, a perfect 3-0 with an ERA of 1.47 and a whip of 1.11. Just 9-5 in the regular season over 24 starts, but uh, again, a very formidable guy in the middle of the rotation. Houston Astros are going to counter with Luis Garcia, who has struggled in the postseason. 1-1, one one, but he's got an ERA of 7.94 in four outings. His last outing was Game 6 of the ALCS, and it was actually his best of the four appearances. Gave up one hit, no runs, in five and two-thirds innings at work. He was 11-8 and eight in the regular season, making 28 starts with an ERA of 3.48. Atlanta's offense looking to show better than they did in Game 2. Travis Darno had two hits and one RBI uh, thanks to a solo shot back in the second inning. Freddie Freeman was the only other brave to pick up an RBI. He did so with a single in the fifth. Eddie Rosario, who was the National League Championship Series MVP, went over 4 in Game 2. And finally, quick check of golf. They are at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. They're going to be there through Sunday. And there is a Canadian who is knocking on the door, Taylor Pendrith. Shooting a 70 and opening round 70, he is currently tied for first with Patrick Rogers, uh, both of them at 10 under. Pendra starting the second round in 26th place, so he's having a wonderful second round. Adam Svensson, he's also likely to make the cut. A pair of 68s will get him into the weekend. Adam Hadwin on the bubble. Uh, First round 74 yesterday, followed up with a 66 today. Very windy in Bermuda, these two rounds. Hadwin right now at minus two. Projected cut in Bermuda is even. All right, that wraps up your Friday edition of Sports Bar Radio. My thank you to everybody behind the scenes, uh, producer extraordinaire Jay Swing, my brother from another, and to everybody over at Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry, the founder of that fine organization. My thanks to Galen, Asan and the irreplaceable, Priscilla Choi. Until you and I get together on Monday, have yourself a safe and a great weekend. Let's get together often. We're here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days a week. We get y'all caught up with everything that's going on in the world of sports. And until we do this again on Monday, I am Rob Fay, and you've been listening to Sports Bar Radio, available wherever you download your podcasts.